This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. And so today as I minister, I'm hoping that you'll be able to listen for yourself, for your family, for your marriage, for your children. So much of what's already been ministered this morning are... Uh, truths that are going to be in this message. They've been modeled before you. But my my heart is that you will listen with your spirits, really listen with your hearts this morning, and uh, go deeper. I have a prophecy I want to read to you at the very end of my message. I believe it's for you. I believe it's for our nation. Right now, I'd like you to open your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. This is the daily reading. I've taken my teaching this week out of the daily reading. Uh, I think a couple of days ago we were reading in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Everybody say Deuteronomy. Isn't that a fun word? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Tell somebody Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 5, and uh, we're going to read quite a bit of scripture this morning. So get your pens out, because you're going to want to take some notes. And you're going to want to underline a few things as we go through this passage of scripture. And we're going to start with Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says, And Moses called all of Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them. And keep and do them. Boy, there's a message right there. If you're a budding pastor, if you want to be a good teacher, there's one right there. That's a three-point sermon. That you may learn them, keep them, and do them. Learn, keep, do. That would be a great message right there. We have to learn the word of God. We have to keep the word of God and we have to do what it says. Amen. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are, who are all of us here alive this day. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount of the midst of fire. I stood between the Lord and, at the, and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid by reason of the fire and went not up into the mount, saying, I am the Lord your God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now, I know that sometimes when we read these passages of Scripture, you're thinking, oh, that's Old Testament. So it's just a story. No. When you read the Old Testament, you have to understand that it speaks to you, and it's a New Testament truth. How many of you were in the house of bondage? Oh, you weren't in Egypt, but you were in the house of sin. Is that correct? You were bound by the devil. You had a pharaoh called the devil. The devil and the pharaoh are a picture of each other. And, 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 and you were bound, you were slaves, slaves to sin, slaves to a, a lifestyle that oppressed you. Some of you are still slaves to an oppression and an oppressive system. You've stayed under oppression. But Jesus came, and he's the, Moses is a picture of Christ, to set you free from the oppressor. And to destroy the works of the oppressor in your life. But here's what he says. I brought you... Out of the land of Egypt, from the house of Egypt. But listen to what he says, or from the house of bondage. And he says, thou shall have no other gods before me. 
Now, this is as true today for you and I as it was to the children of Egypt, or the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. He's just about to take them into the promised land. He says, but listen, I want to give you some commandments, and if you'll obey these, you'll prosper in the land I'm sending you to. By the way, this is called the Ten Commandments, okay? Some of you don't even know the Ten Commandments. Some of you thought they were Ten Suggestions. <laughs> Thou shalt have no other God before me. No other gods. Guys, there can be nobody before Almighty God. There's only one God. And you can have no other gods before him. Thou shalt not take, or thou shalt not make unto, unto yourself any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Nyami, nyami. You will not make a graven image. The Zimbabwe birds. We will not make a graven image that you would worship them. What are the graven images you have? What's your totem? Hello? Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. If you love idols, if you love totems, if you love ancestors, you hate God. And he says, the iniquities of your fathers are passed down to you to the third and fourth generation. And he says, I will show mercy, though, to thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The voice of the people is the voice of God. That's in taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. The voice of the people is not the voice of God. The voice of God is the voice of God. We have politicians getting up talking about things. They have no idea what they're talking about, about God. The God they serve is not the God of the Bible. Our leaders openly practice witchcraft. Openly practice ancestral worship. Openly call upon demonic spirits. And why do you think the storms are so powerful in the Chamanimani Mountains? The high places. Nyanga. The high places. Oh, no, 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 no. It's just a, it's just a tropical storm. Really? Really? We have turned to our idols in our nation. Openly. It used to be hidden. It used to be, now it's just wide open. In one side of our mouth, they're saying God. The next, we're saying our idols. And, and the thing is, it's not even hidden. It's not even covert anymore. You will not take the name of the Lord, thy God, in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. Folks, every week you should have a Sabbath. You're not supposed to work seven days a week. One, one day is 
is set aside to worship God. One day is set aside for God. One day is to enter into rest. Today is that day for us. We enter into God's presence. We worship God. Not worship God just long enough so you can go to work this afternoon or this morning. Not worship God just long enough to get a duty checked off. No, no, no. We know that if we set aside a day for God and we meditate in his law, we rest and we call upon him and we honor him as God. In the six days that we work, he'll do more for us than in seven days. Our trust is in the Lord. Six days shall thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it you shall do no work. Nor shall your son or your daughter or your menservant or your maidservant or your ox or your ass or any of your cattle or your stranger that is within your gates that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were once a servant, a slave in the land of Egypt. And that the Lord your God brought you out thence through a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. You see, some of you forgot that you were slaves at one time. Some of you forgot that you were in bondage. And God said, hey, I never meant for you to be under a yoke. I want you to be free. And I want you to trust in me. And when you honor me on the Sabbath and you let everybody else rest on a Sabbath, those that rest by honoring me receive the blessing of that honor. It goes on to say, honor your father and your mother as the Lord thy God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord your God gives to thee. God has an inheritance for our children and our children's children. For the children, it requires that they honor their mother and their father. For you, it requires that you honor your mother and your father. That it might go well with you. That you might live long in the land. This is the first commandment with promise. God wants you to honor your parents. What does it mean to honor? It means to give them due respect. It means that even when they're wrong, you honor them. Even when you disagree with them, you show honor to them. Even when they've been abusive to you, you still honor them. It doesn't mean you let them abuse you, but you don't dishonor family. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. The blood sacrifice in our nation, the blood is crying out. The businessmen that knowingly commit blood sacrifice to enhance and enrich themselves, it's crying out. Any perpetration of bloodshed against innocence, any abortion, abortion is a perpetration of murder. Guys, we're violating 
the word of God. But we want God to bless us. Now, I know that there are many Christians that have had abortions. There is forgiveness, but it's still murder. God will forgive you, but it's still murder. Just tap your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you this morning. When I hear of the pedophile rings and the pedophilia that's in our nation, the human trafficking, when I hear that they're taking children and they put them in a very fearful state so that they can have their blood come to a place where there are certain enzymes and, and, and certain uh, release, there, there's certain things released into the blood in a state of fear, and then they drink that blood called adrenochrome, so that they can have the power of those forces on the inside of them. That's witchcraft. And it's happening. And Zimbabwe, we can't even keep track of the people in the country, let alone those being smuggled out of the country. And we're not supposed to talk about these things because it's such an abomination. But it's happening. Neither shall thou commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. And yet today in our world and in Zimbabwe, we wink at this. Everybody commits adultery. Oh, it's, it's, just, you know, it's just how it is. Well, not if you want the blessing of God in your life. God says you shall not commit adultery. Neither Shall thou steal? This is a favorite pastime of the whole nation is to steal. But we want God's blessing, don't we? But government can steal your money. You put U.S. dollars in the bank account, they steal it. That's stealing. It's wrong. It's wrong. I don't, I don't care how you cut that. It's not their money. It's my money. It's my money. And they, t and they convert it for me at whatever rate they decide. And that's changing every day because they can't keep their word. It's wrong. It's stealing. But you do it with each other too. Don't, don't, let's not get too mad at the government because you do it with each other too. You borrow from each other with no intention of paying back. You start businesses with no intention of running the business just to get funded so you can live a little bit longer. Come on. But you want the blessing of God in your life. You're a thief. God cannot bless you. You've cursed yourself and the iniquity of it is crying out. Oh, but no, 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 we're under grace. No, 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 no. God gives you grace so you can live righteously. Grace doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to. Grace isn't a license for sin. Grace is to give you the power to do what is right. Oh, tap your neighbor and say, I think we should go over to the church over there where they promote lying and cheating and stealing. Because they're stealing from you too. The church is stealing even. I'll tell you what. Give me $100 and I'll give you a $100 prophecy.
Come and stay in my hotel for three nights, and I'll come and show up sometime in your stay, and I'll give you a word. I'll pray for you. What? That's a scam. It's a money-making scam. Freely have I received. Freely do I give. The grace that I've received is not of myself. It's of God. But we love it that way. We love the iniquity in our nation. The iniquity of our nation cries out. And then we say, why can't we seem to make ends meet? Why do other nations prosper? Why does Rwanda prosper? Why do other nations seem blessed? Because you cannot violate the law of God. You cannot dishonor God and have him blessed. He is not mocked. Oh, pastor, you're so hard on us. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth. Now, if you want a false prophet, there's a lot of them that won't tell you the truth. God's moving his people right now. And he's trying to get us to a place of blessing. Neither shall you bear false witness against your neighbor. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Nobody wants to say anything to anybody because if you say something, it's used against you. Falsely. We live in constant fear in our country because I cannot tell the truth. If I tell the truth, it's weaponized against me. People hurt, people wounded during the recent riots caused by certain factions in our military, certain factions in our government. And yet, we're being sought out. Who? Who got hurt? Are you kidding me? If I tell you, you don't come and support them. You attack them. Nobody feels safe. Nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody wants to talk openly. We don't even hardly tell our parents. We don't even tell our family. Why? Because you know what? You might have your family beaten. Oh, but we don't bear false witness. Yes, we do. We bear false witness. We have unjust scales. And yet we want God's blessing. The voice. Are you kidding? Come on, church. It's time for somebody to stand up and say, this is enough now. Neither shall you desire your neighbor's wife. Do I even need to go there? Yeah, go there. I don't have to go there. Just tap your neighbor say, he's talking to you. Tap your other neighbor, say, he's talking to me too. <laughs> no, we laugh at it, but it's not funny, guys. We want the blessing of God in our marriages. We want the blessing of God in our lives, over our families, over our businesses. And yet we violate the Ten Commandments as though they don't mean anything. Thou shalt not cover, covet your neighbor's house. 
Hmm? I can't believe how many people covet people's stuff. He must have been a crook to get it. He, he, oh, he, oh, gossip, talk, covet. You won't covet his field. Really? Do we even need to go there? We covet each other's fields. And then when we get the fields, we don't know what to do with them. We won't covet his manservant or his maidservant, his ox or his ass, or anything that is your neighbor's. I am shocked at how things work. The whole country works on covetousness. The whole country. Write out your plan. Give us all the details so we can steal it. Has that ever happened to anybody? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Companies do that. Young, bright stars have ideas. They go to a company thinking that the company is going to cut them in. And what does the company do? Steals their idea. Said, oh, wow, we'd already been working on that. We'd already been planning that. Are you kidding me? And, and we do it with impunity. Unjust scales, coveting, coveting. Here's what covetousness does. You go into a partnership. You want to do something together. You want to be fair. You want everybody to get something out of the deal. Oh, no, no. The covetous person wants more than their fair share for doing nothing. They think it's their turn to eat just because they exist. Not because they contribute any value, but just because they're there and they happen to eye the same piece of idea. They didn't have the idea. They had nothing. They just happened to maybe be a part. And you say, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a share. But when they don't get the share they want, they'll scuttle the whole deal so that nobody gets blessed. That's covetousness. It works throughout every strata of our society, in business, in families. I've seen families tear each other apart over an inheritance that they could have all shared in, and nobody gets anything. And now they hate each other. They don't even talk to each other. Am I making you uncomfortable? I hope so. I hope I'm making you uncomfortable enough to repent. Let's go on and read in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6 verses 1 through 24. It says, now these are the commandments. We've just read them. The statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it. Why? That you might fear the Lord your God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and thy son's son, all the days of your life 
and that your days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it might be well with you, and that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised you in the land that flows with milk and honey. Folks, Zimbabwe is a land that flows with milk and honey. Of all nations, this nation is blessed. Of all nations, there is more resources in the ground. There is more resources and more wealth than any other nation in Africa put together. This is the most blessed nation. Why can't we be blessed? I'll tell you why. The reason is because we have not obeyed the commandments of God. We do not honor God. We honor everything but God above God. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And you shall, see, we don't want the word of God in our heart. We want it to be like a textbook. Oh yes, I, I read the Bible. I read the Bible. Well, the Bible is a good book. I believe in the Bible. No, you don't. You believe in the Bible. You don't believe in the Bible. You believe it with your head, but you don't believe it in your heart. Because if you did, you'd do what the Bible says. By the way, when I point one finger at you, I'm pointing three back at myself, okay? I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying, it's time. We either let God be true and every man a liar... Or let's just say what it is. Let's just come out and say, hey, listen, we are a bunch of devil worshipers. We're going to worship our ancestors and forget this Bible, forget this Western religion, forget white man's religion, if that's what you want to call it. Forget whatever you want to call it. But I'm going to tell you this. Either God is true or he's a liar. Either his word is true or it's a lie. And let's stop playing lip service. We pray at the opening of Parliament and then steal each other blind. We pray in our businesses and then figure out ways to rip people off. It shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently unto thy children. That's why Pastor Bonnie and Danny and our school and, 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 and the church is so, so concerned right now. We have a generation of young people, your children, that are growing up and they don't know God. They come to church, they hear about God, but they don't know him. They, they get a few scriptures, but you're not teaching them about God. You're teaching. They don't, they, they don't do what you say. They do what you do. Your children aren't going to do what you tell them to do. They're going to do how you live. And you shall teach them diligently unto your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. 
And you shall bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thy eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and upon your gates. And it shall be when the Lord your God shall have brought you into the land that he swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you a great and goodly cities that you didn't build. I tell you, God's about to do something for righteous men and women that if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. For those of you that will live righteously, God's about to give you cities you didn't build. He's about to give you, fill your houses full of good things that you didn't fill. And wells dig that you diggest not. And vineyards and olive trees that you plantedest not. And then when you have eaten and are full, here's the problem. Some of you, you've seen God do this for you, but you got, you've eaten and now you're full. And, the God, and, 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 and here we have the warning. Beware lest you forget the Lord which brought you out of the land of bondage, from the house of bondage, from the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, and you shall serve him, and you shall swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are around about you. Guys, if you want the gods of the people that are around about you, then let that God be your God. But if you want almighty God, then let him be God. Because our God, the Lord your God, is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded you. And you shall do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord God swore to your fathers to give to you. You can cast out all of your enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. That when the son asks you in time to come, when your children come and ask you in the time to come, what are you going to tell them? What means the testimonies? What means the statutes and the judgments that the Lord your God has commanded you? Here's what you'll say to your son. We were slaves. We were in bondage. We were in bondage to ancestral worship. We were in bondage to uh, Freemasonry. We were in bondage to greed and, and to lust and to uh, sinful captivity. We were bondmen in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of our captivity with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. He brought us out to bring us in. God didn't take you out just to leave you, just so you can stay at your own devices. He's going to take you in somewhere. God has a place he wants you to go. To give you the land that he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. That he might preserve us alive even as it is today. So here we have the story. The children of Israel have wandered for 40 years. Moses is about to die. And Moses is kind of giving his last words. And he says, hey, before you go into the promised land, they're standing in the plains of Moab to hear Moses, and once again, he's reiterating the law of God. He's preparing the Israelites to enter into their promised land. And he's reflecting on the previous generation 
that for 40 years he watched die. For 40 years they died in the wilderness. They couldn't go into the promised land. And now they're all dead and there's a new generation. The old generation was full of unbelief. Much like our generation today. They do not believe. They're unbelievers. Which makes them unable to lead. Qualified in academia, but unqualified with God. Proven by every decree that is made that doesn't work. Because decrees without God's blessing don't work. I'm sorry. So where does this begin? Where does the next generation begin? Well, Moses' emphasis is on the home and on the family. Write these things down. There's three things that must be in our homes if we're going to relate to God. First of all, there has to be a revelation of who God is. Do we really know who God is? Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Let me tell you something. God is constantly and consistently revealing things about himself. He reveals his his eternality. He's eternal. He's the eternal God. He calls himself by a name, Yahweh. I am that I am that I am that I am. He says, I am God. I always was, I always will be, and I always am. He is eternal, the eternal God. In plurality, he reveals his plurality as Elohim. This is the plural of God. Three persons in the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And yet, his unity is the Lord is one. It acknowledges Elohim, his plurality, but he's one. Three persons in the Godhead constitute one God. Each is essential. Each is essential. The second point today is there has to be a response to God's revelation. Once you know and have a revelation that God, of who God is... It demands a response. You can't, you can't sit on the fence. You can't have one foot in ancestor worship and Freemasonry and idolatry and serving mammon and the other foot serving God. You either love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. And it demands a response. Revelation 6, or not Revelation, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. I'll tell you what. God only has one response that he'll take. Wholeheartedness. The response is to be a total response of the love of God and the love of our own being. We love God with our whole heart, our whole soul, 
our whole mind. And you know what? This is the only fitting response to a God who's eternal. The almighty God is to give him our whole heart. Church can't be half-hearted. Folks, I get concerned at how lackadaisical some of you are about church. About how lackadaisical you are about God. Oh yeah, we, we just rock up. I go to the big church over there on Bardell Road. Celebration, celebration. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Hey, let me tell you something. It's about your relationship with Almighty God. Not about what church you attend. It's about do you really love God? Is God, are you for him? Let me tell you something. You wouldn't rock up late for the president. If you had a meeting with the president, you wouldn't rock up late. You don't rock up late for your air flights. But we treat God with disrespect. You don't come here for me. You don't come here. You come here that we can corporately worship God together. Number three, my last point. There must be a threefold responsibility. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. And these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as signs on your hand and they shall be as frontlets or frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Three small points under this. You see, God's truth is what governs the heart. These words that I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart, not in your head. Not some sermon you heard and you quote. Not some little ditty. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Hey, that's cute. But what's really in your heart? You see, there has to be a heart reality, not some external conformity or some external ceremony. Secondly, truth, God's truth is what governs the home. It governs the home. And this is evidenced by the fact that the father, the father in the home teaches the truths of God's revelation to the children, both in formal situations, teach them diligently, the Bible says, and informal, talk to them on the way. Talk to them when you walk. Talk to them when you're sitting. Talk to them. Teach them, talk to them. Instruct them formally and do it diligently, but then talk to them about it all the time. And finally, God's truth is what governs our habits in our families. And our conduct personally, privately and publicly. Privately and publicly. In short, the home is to be the divine school in which the Father is to be the teacher under Christ. 
Fathers, we have an incredible role to play. If you're the father of a family, God requires you to instruct the family in the ways of God. If you call yourself a father in the nation, then you have a responsibility to instruct the nation in godly principles. Not something I teach you in public and live differently privately. Surely we can stay awake for this sermon. Surely you're not falling asleep on this. Yeah, there's somebody right here in the front row falling right asleep, hey? Can hardly believe it. That's the spirit. You know, when I first started the church, we would sing, and we'd love to sing. And then we'd get up to preach, and it got a little heavy like this, you'd all fall asleep. Why? Because the spirit of witchcraft will put you to sleep, lull you to sleep. Oh, let me just sleep. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. The Bible calls them mind-blinding spirits. Demonic forces. Those mind-blinding spirits are called iniquitous spirits. They're iniquitous spirits. They're working in our nation. That's why we can't find solutions to the problems. That's why we can't implement them. You can't implement a solution that you don't really have a wholehearted belief in. Or you can't implement a solution if you're covetous. I will not implement the solution unless I eat. Well, then it's not going to be implemented. Somebody has to eat, then it's never going to be a wholehearted solution. But if God gives a solution, what if none of us ate, but everybody was blessed? We have a crisis in our nation, more than one. Right now there's a crisis in our hospitals through mismanagement, through ill-advised plans, for whatever reason. And this isn't something that happened this month or this year. This has been ongoing for years and years and years. And yet, no one's willing to humble themselves and really solve the problems. Now, as believers, we can't leave people to die. Right now, the cry in the community is, and as believers, is that we go raid the private sector so that we can take care of the public sector so there's not enough of everything in both sectors. That's the, con that's the conventional wisdom, which, folks, I believe we should share, and I'm asking you to share. I'm asking you to think of the plight of a son or a daughter that may die because there's not an aspirin or a drug or a canola for the drip or a drip or an incubator. All of these things are available. There's a little humility, a little working together, they're available. We're going to have to come together. Some of you have been quiet for too long. 
I'm not saying anarchy, but you know what? It's time that we voice and say we need to come together. We need better solutions than the ones that are currently being preferred. I know for a fact that many of the drugs that we are desperately in need of could be delivered very quickly for free. Oh, the only problem is that we have first world standards that we will not allow a drug to come into our country that might expire. Meanwhile, Harvard Medical and other great institutions have studied all the drugs and said that their lifespan is well in advance, sometimes two, three years after the expiry date, and they're still efficacious for the people. But no, no, no. We would rather have people die than to allow them to have a drug that has expired that has its full efficaciousness, or even say, say, say it lost 2%. There's still enough strength in it to possibly save a life. But we can't sit down and have enough common sense to solve the problem. No, 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 no. We all posture ourselves with pride and arrogance at every level. It's not just in the medical area, but I'm going to tell you something, we have a crisis now. And we're not talking, we're dictating. And then we offer the impossible, free health care. Out of one mouth, we don't have anything. The next we'll say, no, we'll do it all for free. Guys, this is a broken system. Somebody needs to sit down and say, hey, we got to change some things. Now we're going to have... They say up to 14 days of rain. And what happens when that happens? Cholera. Are we ready for the cholera outbreak? Because I tell you what, plague upon plague upon plague, and we won't call upon God. No, no, no. We'll postulate positions. We'll talk. We'll fly all over the world talking to everybody, but we won't solve problems. And yet I know for a fact that Zimbabweans can pull together and do wonderful things if we give our whole heart to it. Our whole heart to it. Our whole heart to it. But are we willing to put our whole heart? No, because we don't trust each other. If I put my whole heart, you're going to eat my heart. Because the spirit of covetousness, we don't honor God. We don't honor his commandments. Because of that, no one trusts anyone, and, God, and we bring curse and iniquity upon ourselves. There's nobody to blame but ourselves. You can't blame God. Somebody came to you the other day, why does God allow this? God doesn't allow it. You allow it. You chose to worship devils. We chose as a nation. We chose to not honor God except with lip service. We have people whose houses 
are being destroyed. We don't even know the extent of the damage. Bridges are out. We, we don't know the extent of what's going on in Chapingi. They say it's going to get worse. I hate to even think about that. I want to give a prophetic word. Listen to what this says. Recently the Lord spoke to me that he's revealing another perspective on situations and circumstances right now that is going to bring freedom, joy, and healing. The Lord showed me that the enemy is attempting to keep many of God's people locked into one perspective. And it is a perspective that is not bringing life. It is not bringing joy, healing, or freedom, but is ushering in heaviness and discouragement. In the midst of this one perspective, the Lord has been speaking and bringing truth and revelation. But there is still a wrestle for many because they have not met the moment where everything makes sense. Now I understand what's going on or what God is doing. The Lord showed me specifically the enemy is attempting to keep certain pieces of the puzzle hidden. And he's attempting to cause confusion in the transition to keep God's people from thriving. The Lord spoke to me that in revealing of another perspective from the revealing of his perspective and another way of seeing things and the missing pieces being revealed that there's such a breaker being stepped up into into by God's people that is restoring freedom and joy and passion and vision like never before. In the stepping into the revelation of another perspective and the missing pieces being revealed, there is a level of breakthrough into thriving, blossoming, flying and arising that is happening on unprecedented scales. The enemy is working so hard to keep many of God's people locked into this one perspective because in, in doing so he can hinder or delay the thriving and blossoming that has been decreed by the Lord over his people but what the enemy is attempting is failing as God's people continue to lean into the Lord to see him from all heavenly perspectives the enemy has been working intentionally to keep vision clouded from these missing pieces because they are the places of revelation bringing the breaker. I hear the Lord decreeing, inquire of me the new perspective and the missing pieces to be revealed. Be intentional in your inquiring, for in inquiring you shall acquire that which I have for you. Do not be locked into one perspective, but enter into the higher perspective through your surrender which will bring healing, unprecedented joy, freedom, and breakthrough. The revelation of another perspective is your trajectory to increase greater fruitfulness and empowerment as you ride on the winds of my spirit and vision. Inquire. The definition of the word inquire is ask for information, investigate, look into, acquire, to buy or to obtain for one's self. Acquire, to buy or obtain for one's self. God wants you to investigate, to inquire, so you can acquire for yourself. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I'll answer you. And I'll tell you and even show you great and mighty things. Things which have been confined and hidden 
which you do not know and understand and cannot distinguish. The Lord is revealing hidden things from his heart that you need to receive for such a time as this and in order for you to move forward. The Lord is also revealing hidden things, the missing pieces the enemy has tried to hide. This is a moment of significant revelation. That is why the enemy is t attacking vision. So I encourage you this week to be intentional, to inquire of the Lord, and you will acquire the hidden things that the missing pieces and the missing pieces that will usher you forth into monumental breakthrough. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. Proverbs 25, 2. This week is significant, my friends. Much will be revealed this week, and many of you are going to birth this week what the Lord has placed within you, and you will be birthed into things completely new. Make a decision to be intentional, to stand against this attack of the enemy this week and inquire of the Lord, and you will acquire in ways you haven't imagined. Many of you this week will have those moments of, wow, Lord, I never thought of it that way, or what... Or, or, or I never saw it from that perspective. And that revelation is going to change everything for many of you. I hear the words, change the playing field. When I asked the Lord what he meant, I heard him say, what he is releasing and revealing in the inquiring and acquiring will change the playing field. The power of what he is revealing is a game changer. It will change many of God's people's position from defense to offense. It will bring forth a stand and a resolve in God's people that the enemy has been trying to steal. This will be a significant week, a week of significant strategy and concreting in conviction of what the Lord has spoken over your life for this new era. And all other voices attempting to come against this strategy of God will be silenced by the fire of impartation that comes from the revelation of his strategy and perspective to you this week. You are going to run with greater passion, excitement, and empowerment in his perspective and what he is revealing and decreeing over you, over your new season, now like never before. Expect things to change this week as you stand strong in your position of inquiring and seeing from another perspective. Folks, let me tell you something. This is your season. It's a new perspective. It's a new day. For those of you that have been double-minded, let's let God be true. Let's return and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. I want to obey your commandments. I want your commands in my life. I want to serve you with my whole heart, my whole mind, and all my strength. I'm tired of double-mindedness. I'm tired of compromise. I'm tired of cheating and then expecting you to bless me. I'm tired of repenting and then not really meaning it. Is anybody listening? Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.